Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Good to be journeying with you uh, this Lenten season. Uh, Lent is a season of repentance. It's a season of returning. It's a season of focusing on God and his gifts to us, his ways for our life. And it's all that we do this all together, uh, journeying closer to Holy Week, to Good Friday, and to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as Pastor Nathan was saying, that reading plan is such a good way uh, to dig into the Word, to journey through the Gospel of Luke together and and check out some of the Psalms. So make sure you pick one of those up or go online. Um, it'll, It'll bless your heart and encourage and then feed you. So this past December, uh, I think it was December, maybe it was the end of November, somebody uh, stole my identity. Somebody in Louisiana charged $2.38 to my credit card in a gas station convenient store. Now, I've only been to Louisiana once, and it wasn't this past December, because as a pastor, we can't go on vacation in December, and if we could, we would not be going to Louisiana, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Amen. All right. But the credit card they used uh, to make this false charge or whatever you want to call it is the credit card that my family uses. I don't know if you have one of those in your family, but this is the card we use for everything, right? Automatic payments, gasoline, groceries, Starbucks, insurance, water, gas, electricity, utilities, charities, everything that is automatic gets charged to this credit card and everything that's not automatic, Amazon, even the clarinet rental is on this credit card. All of that. So how did I know that somebody in Louisiana was trying to steal my identity? Well, somehow the omniscient algorithms of my credit card and credit cards, credit and theft department, fraud department caught on, I think, or maybe there's, I don't know how it actually works. Maybe there's a guy monitoring my credit card all the time. I don't know. <laughs> somehow I got a phone call, I got a text, I got an email, and they were like, you better call us now. So finally I called the company. They shut down my credit card immediately. They refunded me the $2.38, which I rendered unto the Lord for his purposes. <laughs> And they said, hey, we have got to uh, issue you a new credit card number. And I was like, oh. I know, it's a first world problem. But I was like, is there any way we can save that number? Because it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost me a lot of hours to, to get this. Like, nope, got to shut it down. It's already shut down. A new card, a new number is in the way. So I had to hunt down every automatic payment that I could within reason. And there, in some cases, they hunted me down because I forgot about them. Uh, the payment... You know, payment wouldn't go through, but my daughter's clarinet was saved, and uh, they didn't take me to claims or anything like that. I'm still cleaning up accounts from this thing, right? And I'm pretty sure that all this year there's going to be some random thing that I forgot about, and I'm going to have to clean up that. When your identity is stolen, it makes life difficult. Anybody ever had anything something like that? Yeah. And I'm, this is just one little tiny credit card, right? I know people who have really had their identity stolen. Way more than a credit card number, like social security numbers, passports, driver's license, bank accounts, all of that. Their credit is tanked. They lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. They had to hire attorneys. Identity theft of that proportion is terrible, right? And it's a huge battle to get your identity back, to be in good standing, you might say. Well, what does that have to do with Jesus? Good question. All right. What does it have to do with the church and the gospel of Luke today? What does it have to do with the temptation of Jesus? Well, let's take a look at it because I think it ties in pretty well. The context uh, is this. A few weeks ago, we looked at the baptism of Jesus, if you remember. And in Luke chapter 3, verse 22, uh, these verses, the Holy Spirit, at the baptism of Jesus, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. 
and said, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. That's the heavenly father speaking to Jesus. Huge, awesome moment, right? Jesus is baptized. I mean, baptism is huge in our book, right? When we get baptized, we, we celebrate. When we have baptism here in church, we applaud, we cheer, we pray, we, we celebrate, right? And I just did a couple baptisms over in the sanctuary a few weeks ago, and uh, one baptism family afterwards, they had, a, they had a cake and they had a party. Another baptism family, they all went over to Avila's and rented out the room and had this huge party. They celebrated baptism because it's a big deal, right? With Jesus, however... At his baptism, right afterwards, it was a little different. Chapter 4, verse 1 of Luke says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, he left the Jordan. That's the Jordan River where he was baptized. And he was led by that same spirit that he's filled of. He's led by the spirit into the wilderness. Now, we're not talking like John Muir vacation land. We're talking desert wilderness. And we're not talking Palm Springs retro mid-century vacation. We're talking desert wilderness, okay? We're talking temptation and testing and trial and harsh living, full of the spirit. The spirit led Jesus to this place. In verse 2, it says, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. So Jesus didn't have a party after his baptism. He began the work of standing in the place of humanity. And you hear that 40 days. That 40 days, it's reminiscent of the 40 years of wandering of the nation of Israel in the desert wilderness. Chapter 4, verse 3, the devil then says to them, he says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, Tell this stone to become bread. And there it is. That's the first temptation. It's a temptation for Jesus to misuse his power, to satisfy his temporary cravings for bread, to satisfy his belly, and to not trust God. But Luke chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus answered and says, it's written. He's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. He says, man shall not live on bread alone. Now Israel, back in the wilderness for 40 years, they succumbed to the temptation They yielded to temptation in the wilderness, but Jesus didn't. Israel cried out about the manna and the quail, and they grumbled, and they crumbled under hardship. They whined and they complained, kind of like your pastor when his credit card got stolen. But Jesus didn't. He endured the temptation, and he saved his miraculous power for the feeding of the 4,000, the feeding of the 5,000, to establish his supper that we're going to be nourished by today in the bread and the wine, the body and the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Jesus endured the temptation for us. Then the second temptation comes. Luke chapter 4, verse 5. The devil led him up to a high place, showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world, and he said to him, I will give you all their authority and their splendor. It has been given to me, which is a lie, and I can give it to anyone I want to. He says, if, You worship me, Jesus, it will all be yours. Jesus is being tempted to power. He's being tempted to authority, being tempted to glory, being tempted to trust the enemy, the deceiver, who is not trustworthy. He is being tempted to not trust God. Luke chapter 4, verse 8 continues. It says, Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He quotes Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. He submits to the Father's will. The Father's will. And kind of in these words, we're kind of drawn back to Adam and to Eve in the garden. Adam and Eve, they yielded to a similar temptation. 
They desired glory. They listened to the deceiver who was lying to them. But the scriptures talk about Jesus as being the second Adam, the new Adam, and he prevails. He resists the temptation. Then comes the third temptation, verse 9. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand up on the highest point of the temple. It's like 100 feet up. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus had been quoting scripture, but he wasn't just quoting scripture. He was relying upon scripture. And here Satan tries to quote scripture back to Jesus. He quotes Psalm 91, but he distorts it because that's what he does. He distorts the truth of God. And that drop, it would have been 100 feet up. I mean, we're not talking base jumping with a parachute. He wasn't bungee jumping. It would be a free fall dive 100 feet feet everybody would have seen it and the glory jesus would have received if he had jumped and he miraculously landed on his feet everyone would have looked at him what a miraculous feat who is this guy this guy is god and see the real temptation there was that satan was really tempting jesus to bypass his role as son of god bypass what the heavenly father had planned for him to go to the cross bypass all of that and get the glory right there right now Jesus answered, verse 12, he says, it is said. He goes to scripture again, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. He says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And he shuts the devil down. And these temptations, these temptations, we see echoes. We see echoes of Adam and Eve in the garden of Eden. We see echoes of Israel wandering the desert for 40 years. We're reminded of them. They had succumbed to the temptation. They had yielded to the temptation. But Jesus, this time, he does not. Jesus is the new and greater Adam. He's the new and greater Israel. He goes to the wilderness and endures. He goes to the garden of Gethsemane and endures. Luke chapter 4, verse 13, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left. He left Jesus until an opportune time. Now, Jesus was tempted three times as depicted in the scriptures, probably way more in those 40 days. He was tempted three times. And the nature of that temptation, you could talk about it in different ways, but it kind of boils down to bread, to power, and to glory, you might say. Those are the three things that he's being tempted toward. He's being pulled toward them. And we kind of get this, uh, this side of, the, of temptation, I think. I think we know what it is. And those specific temptations, I think we've probably all had them. We've been tempted to satisfy our own appetites. We've been tempted toward having power for the sake of power. We've been tempted to seek glory over doing the hard and righteous thing. But then we could list a whole bunch of other things, right, that we are being tempted toward, that we're being drawn toward in temptation. Temptations to put our interests and safety above other people. Temptations for power and prestige. Temptations to spew condemnation on others on social media. Temptations to be prideful. Temptations to lie. Temptations to lust. And we could just go down the list, right? And sometimes temptations, temptations, they are very subtle. Sometimes we'll have the desire to do something good, and then we'll go off and we'll do this good, righteous deed, and then we'll be tempted. We'll be tempted to think, I hope others see me and realize how good and righteous and super Christian I am. There's temptations all over the place. We know what it means to be tempted. 
And each of us have our own temptations that lure us constantly. What, what, what temptation seizes you the most? I mean, think about for a second. What temptation do you struggle with? What temptation is drawing you? Maybe you're being tempted right now in this very moment toward something. But you see, that's only one side of temptation. It's not the whole truth of what temptation is. Because we usually think about temptation in the fact that we are being tempted toward something. We're being tempted toward doing something or thinking something or feeling something that we shouldn't be doing. But the other side of temptation on this side, and probably the most damaging part of temptation, is what is it pulling us away from? We always think about temptation pulling us to something, but temptation is actually pulling us away from something. And we begin to see it when Satan was tempting Jesus. He said this. He said, if you are the Son of God. He said, if you worship me. And then he says it again. He says, if Jesus, you are the Son of God. He's trying to instill doubt in Jesus. He's trying to pull Jesus away from his relationship with the Heavenly Father. He's trying to undermine Jesus' identity. It's the same thing. It happens with us. Whatever that we're being tempted or whatever we're being pulled to, it's always seeking to shift us away from, away from our allegiance, away from our trust, away from our confidence in God. It's tempting us to a false substitute, a false substitute over here that promises a more secure identity, but it never delivers. Adam and Eve, they experienced that in the garden hard, and they fell, they fell fell from their identity and see temptation is really about pulling us away from our identity and that my friends that is identity theft that is far greater than credit cards far greater than social security cards far greater than passports and bank accounts and credit ratings and financial security and all that first world stuff temptation seeks to steal away our true identities and relationship to God that's what Satan does. That's what the devil does. And Jesus talked about it in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said these words. He said, the thief, identity theft, right? The thief comes to steal. And not just steal, but to kill and to destroy. Temptation is the devil coming to steal, to steal our identities, to kill our identities, to destroy our identity. It's identity theft, and it leads to identity destruction. And in a small sample, we see this all the time in advertising. So much of advertising is to create in us a sense of lack or a sense of inadequacy. And then immediately followed by that, there's this implicit promise that if we buy said product, we will relieve our insecurity, we will be adequate, we will have a strong and firm identity. It promises, but it never delivers, just like Satan in the Garden of Eden. But Jesus delivers. Jesus says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says to us to this very morning, he says, I have come. I have come that they, that you may have life, and that you may have it to the full. And brothers and sisters of Christ, that's what I would argue that we are doing here this morning. We are coming here to have life, to have it to the full, to be reminded of, and in some ways to be given again, our identity, our identity as children loved of God. 
in the face of so many temptations, so many temptations which attempt to steal our identity, we come together each week here in this room to have our identity renewed and restored and confirmed and strengthened, that we are the children of God, that we are the body of Christ, we are the church, we are God's called out ones in this place and in this time. And see, on the one hand, Lent is often focused on self-denial. It's focused on sacrifice. It's focused on resisting temptation, and all of that's good. It should be there. But I'd argue this morning that Lent is also an ideal time for us to remind ourselves, to be reminded, and to remind each other of the love and the grace of God poured out for us on the cross. This past Wednesday, we, we put those ash crosses on our foreheads. In baptism, we say, receive the sign of the cross upon your forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. My friends, that's our identity. In the cross, we are God's redeemed children. As the Father said to Jesus, he speaks those very words to us. He says, you are my child. He says, I love you and I'm proud of you. Jesus went to the desert after his baptism so that after our baptisms, we could have a party. He endured temptation for us so that we could be the true people of God. And so, my friends, be careful this Lenten season of identity theft. Uh, there's an app out there that can help you track this stuff. It's uh, on all your phones. It's called the Bible app, all right? Check that Bible app every day, okay? Pastor Nathan developed that reading plan. Pick it up. Go online. Get it. It will help, all right? It will help you from losing your identity. It will help from your identity being stolen. And so when temptations come, don't think about so much what you're being tempted to, but what you're temp being tempted from. Remember who you are. Go to God's word. Come to church. Be reminded, reinvigorated, reunited, and restored, and, and renewed in your identity. Open God's word. Let him tell the truth to you. Let that truth be spoken into your life. That you are a child of God. And no one can steal that identity.